Welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Beck, And hi, I'm Penny. We both live in Australia. We love learning languages and we love chatting to each other about it. I have some questions for you today, Penny. Um, mm-hmm. and, they're <laughs> and they're all about learning tonal languages. Good, good, yep. good, good. Because yes. I know that you have learnt some tonal languages um, and I have never learnt a tonal language. So they're a complete mystery to me, almost. Um, and I thought it would be really cool to understand from you um, a little bit more about tonal languages and what it's like to learn them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they're probably a mystery to lots of people, to be honest, because, yeah. you know, if you say tonal language, what exactly does that mean? Exactly. Um, and I read something interesting the other day that, of course, when we speak English, we obviously have intonation when we speak. So, we, you know, we might rise with a question or we, you know, have an inflection when we're surprised or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think with the difference with a tonal language is that the way that the word is pronounced completely alters the meaning of the word. So it's not just an inflection that changes the emotion of what you're trying to convey. It's a complete different meaning. That Um, sounds like it could be quite tricky. (laughs) Well, I think it is. and And I don't think, you know... There's no getting around that you have to spend a fair bit of time practicing mm-hmm. the tones to get to get to some level of being able to be understood. But <laughs> don't let that put you off mm. so <laughs> because you, it's completely doable. Could you tell us about, so what are the tonal languages that you have studied mm. and also which, which one was the first one that you learned? So I've studied two tonal languages, Mandarin Chinese and Vietnamese. Um, they're probably two of the most well-known tonal languages. Actually, Thai is another one that's um, okay. um, tonal and Cantonese and the other Chinese dialects as well um, are all tonal languages. So I first learnt Vietnamese and I was 18 when I first started learning Um and prior to that, I'd done Japanese and French at school. Um, so I was coming at learning a tonal language completely fresh. Um, I was living in Vietnam, which I think for me was a, was a huge advantage at the time. Um, and I remember just the first, probably the first few months of learning, because I enrolled at a university in Saigon and I was there in the um, Vietnamese for Foreigners language department, which was very small back then. It was in the late 90s, Beck. Um, (laughs) And we literally spent – so I was going to uni every day for a couple hours and we literally spent, yeah, I reckon three months (laughs) drilling the tones and the pronunciation. Um, Oh, wow. That's a a long time. Yeah, it was pretty painful. And especially if you're time. doing it every day as well. Like that's a significant... Yeah, I mean, we were learning vocab as well, but there yeah. was a huge emphasis on nailing the tones and the pronunciation. And sure. now I look back and go, oh, that was so the right way to do it. 
Yeah, okay. So it's been like a long-lasting memory, I guess, in your mind of, of how, to, how to remember those tones and what they sound like and also how to produce them? Totally, and I think, I think with a tonal language that laying that foundation is probably the best investment you can do if you are learning mm-hmm. the tonal language because there's kind of no shortcut, I don't think, because if you don't get a grasp on the tones and the pronunciation first up, unfortunately, I think all your hard work and effort is probably almost going to waste because if people mm. can't understand what you're saying, um, you might have a fantastic vocab and a really strong grasp of, of grammar and all kinds of things. But if no one can understand you, it's, you know, you're limited to how you can communicate. Um, so, I yeah, I think I can't, looking back now, you know, you can't understate that um, importance of doing those, those hard yards of mm. tonal how, drilling. How challenging was it initially just to even start talking? So, like, I guess in those first couple of weeks of your of your classes when you were in Saigon, like, was it just was it really tricky to firstly start to understand? I guess what the what the melody of those tones are because it feels like to me that the way tonal languages work and how you were describing it before is that it's a bit like learning a kind of music because the nuances of the like melody and pitch within the words are are so important compared to non tonal yeah. languages. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things. One was I thought I was pronouncing them correctly. <laughs> and then, you know, the teacher or the person I was talking to would just either give me a complete blank stare or laugh or just do this facial expression which just went, what are you crazy person talking about? So I'm like, okay, clearly it's something's not going right here. Um so there was a bit of a disconnect, I think, between what I thought I was saying and what mm. people thought I was saying. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're onto something back with the link with music because I know that, I mean, there's, there's a couple of different things with the music thing. There's one, there's one connection that says if you've learned music um, in the past – as a language learner, that you may have some advantage in learning a tonal language because of your, I guess, your understanding of pitch and uh, sure. and like um, oral skills. Yeah, and your ability to 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 hear the difference. I think mm-hmm. is probably mm-hmm. if you know. Um, and I reckon there might be something in that. Yep. I, you know, I th- it could be. Um, and I think probably the biggest thing. Um, with learning eternal language, which I reckon is probably hard to put your finger on, but it's mm. it's it's a there's a sense of kind of you know going back to basics and losing your inhibitions, which I think mm. you can say for all languages, but perhaps for a tonal language, it could be even stronger because you really it's leaving everything you know about speaking English, for example, at the door because you know you don't raise your voice to ask a question because there's a question word in the in the in the sentence that sure. makes it a question you don't have to use that intonation to turn it into a question just little things like that and i suppose um, as well it's about like not necessarily knowing 
before you like I think with other languages when they're non-tonal you might have the written version and maybe you can already work out how to say that but maybe it's a bit harder to do that with a tonal language is that like would you is that what you think it might be like um yeah I think I mean there are ways to to learn you mean when you're reading reading yeah. the language is that yeah yeah because yeah. sometimes I feel like when you when you start learning or at least this has been my experience anyway when you first start with a language, sometimes you can you can sort of get started with things that you see written and you can just have a go at what you think they might sound like. It feels like with tonal languages that might not always be the case, that you can always infer the tone from what's written. Is that – or maybe I'm misunderstanding. Well, I mean, in Vietnamese, the great thing is that it's in Romanized alphabets. So we uh, – yes. you know, you can, you can pick up a word and see, okay, it's, you know – I know how to pronounce D-U-A with the second tone yeah. because I've learnt what that combination should oh, sound right. like. So there's lots of diacritics in Vietnamese, right, that give you yes. – so diacritics that being um, like accent markings and tone markings on the letters that yeah. indicate the, the tone. Is that, yes. is that right? Yes. So there's, okay. six, there's six tones in Vietnamese and okay. so each tone has a mark. Well, actually, one tone doesn't have a mark, but the other five tones um, have a mark above the vowel of the word. Um, so when you're when you're drilling how to pronounce those tones, you're you're practicing with all the different vowel and consonant combinations, mm-hmm. um, and so that really helps you when you you can you come across a word you don't know because you can put into practice what you've kind of been learning. Mandarin Chinese, on the other hand, <laughs> um, yeah. is because it's a character-based language. Um, if it's a character you've come across and you you don't know the character, well, then <laughs> you right. you can't really make it make a guess. But Mandarin Chinese also has a, a Romanized um, alphabet that. Um, well, kids in China use it to learn as well, as mm-hmm. well as um, um, foreigners learning the language as well. So when you learn pinyin, which is the Romanized form, you also have the diacritics on the letters okay. to help you with the tonal marks. Okay, so, so well, that sounds like it would really, really, really help. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, I mean, learning pinyin is a really important part of learning Mandarin Chinese because... Um, it's part of the foundation of learning learning the tones in that language as well. So there are four tones. Okay. Well, there are five tones in Mandarin Chinese. One of those is called like a neutral tone and doesn't have a marker. Okay. And then there are four four tones with with the markers. And what are, what the, are the tones the, like? So when you when you talk about the tones, are they how would you describe what they sound like? So I know this might be this might be more suited to a visual, but um, just in the way that we're talking about it now, are they are they quite straightforward in the way that you make them with your mouth and how you produce them? Um, you know, are they just kind of simple like up and down tones, or are there is well, there more to it than that? This, this it's probably a combo actually. So okay. in I mean Vietnamese is good in a sense because if you think of the six tones, there's really kind of three. <laughs> what I would call more straightforward and three a little bit more tricky. Um, So in terms, I could do a little demo of my... (laughs) So um, tone one is just like a high kind of flat tone, like ba, 
Okay. And then tone two is rising, so ma. Okay. And tone three, three is falling, ma. Uh-huh. And they're kind of the first tones you would learn just because they're a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, they seem, they seem pretty straight. Well, I mean, now that you've said them, they sound really straightforward, like doing your little demonstration. I love that. Um, it's, I feel like the way, maybe the way we were talking about it before, the tones were still sounding a bit like mysterious to me. But now that you've done those three, I'm like, oh, actually, that was pretty straightforward. Yeah. And then the final three are more challenging, I think, for English speakers, okay. um, just because we're not used to, I don't think, twisting our mouth and turning it around to 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 get a word out <laughs> um so there's um the fourth tone ma and then fifth tone ma okay and sixth tone ma okay so yeah they're much more like nuanced in the way that they're different I feel like the difference between the first three was really obvious but then the differences between those three I would struggle to to pick up on <laughs> yeah and yeah. um there's also some regional variations as ah, well in Vietnam okay. that the last two tones are often merged in southern Vietnamese mm-hmm. and in northern Vietnamese they're normally kept quite distinct and you know you would learn those six tones as being the correct pronunciation and northern okay. Vietnamese speakers would use all six um but as a learner, and I think most learners of Vietnamese would, would learn the full six because, you know, it's sure. it's the correct way. Is one of those accents um, that you've just, just, you just mentioned more sort of standard than the other? Like when sort of, I guess, for, for things like the news, so like when we talk about it in English, like received pronunciation, like that kind of standard well that British received pronunciation which is kind of like I guess BBC news (laughs) Um, pronunciation of British English is there an equivalent of that for something like Vietnamese or is it kind of just dependent on where you are and and everybody just speaks I think it's regional it's dependent a little bit on where you are but because um, Hanoi is in the northern part of Vietnam and it's the capital Mm -hmm. um, the northern Vietnamese um accent and vocab is probably you know it's it's probably way more used in political kind of sure. circles and news circles and that kind of stuff um but completely mutually intelligible as well so it's just okay. some random words that are different mm-hmm. um but yeah I was really I, I spent some time in in Hanoi last year and I was first of all I was really taken aback by how different (laughs) how different that was but then after you know after I'd been there for about a week I was like yeah it's different but every country has this and you know once you get to learn what the main words are that trip you up then that's okay and people know I mean if you've got a southern accent well that's cool because they know that you're from the south (laughs) Um, and as a as a non-native speaker then they're like, well, you've got a crazy accent anyway, so <laughs> who knows where you're from? <laughs> Although I'm sure they're quite understanding. <laughs> yeah. Did you find that people were generally just really understanding about the fact that you were like a, a non-native speaker and learning? Oh, yeah, they just, they um, are pretty thrilled, I think. Like like with a lot of people when they, 
when they know that you've spent time and energy learning their language and that you got you know you can actually communicate to, to you know a basic extent or a decent extent they're like oh this is this is cool yeah definitely um, how nice is that it, it's a it is a really nice kind of satisfying feeling when when you get I don't know that kind of reaction I suppose to um, even your mistakes in a language people saying that you know well at least you're trying <laughs> And it does remind me back from when I was really starting out and just the the continual, what what it felt like, continual butting my head against a wall kind of feeling <laughs> where I was like, oh, I spent hours and hours and no one can understand me and everyone gives me these funny looks. But yeah, so Did, if you're out there and that's happening to you, <laughs> just know worry, you'll, you'll make a pronunciation breakthrough at some stage. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever made any really embarrassing mistakes because of tonal differences in either Vietnamese or Mandarin or both do you know what I've probably made a zillion and (laughs) probably been completely oblivious to most of them (laughs) (laughs) I mean I guess that's true for really any language you're learning like there are so many mistakes and you know all of them can be can be any level of like funny or embarrassing um but yeah I feel like the tones just make it very easy to make mistakes (laughs) mistakes <laughs> without necessarily I do, I do. there's I mean there's a couple of words that are really commonly used and so they're really easy to make mistakes in Chinese sure. um, okay the verbs to buy and to sell ah. are both my so m-a-i um but to buy is my and to sell is my ah oh wow um, so so close <laughs> so that's that's a bit tricky because that can obviously alter what you're trying to say like you know absolutely you can't always grab that from the context that one yeah <laughs> um in Vietnamese um there's some <laughs> it's a bit basic but there's some fruits <laughs> that are quite similar oh. and I have ordered um because I don't know if you've if you've if you've been to Southeast Asia you know the amount of juices and smoothies and delicious drinks you can get is crazy um so um pineapple and watermelon are both you are which is spelt D-U-A, but the D is spelt, um, pronounced like a Y, you, you, okay. you are. Mm-hmm. But pineapple's you are, and watermelon's you are. Okay. Oh, wow, they're so um, close. <laughs> so just little things, I guess, yep. guess like that. And there's, there's actually quite a lot of, um, I was having to think um, before, and um, book and tree in Mandarin Chinese are both shu. So book is shu and tree is shu. Oh. Um, and there's if there's some other really good ones in Chinese. I think lizi is – there's a few words I can think of for that. One's pear. Um, I think there's plum that's lizi. And I think it's chestnut <laughs> that's lizi. Oh, wow. I guess I suppose so, yeah. over time it's like retuning your your voice and your – uh, listening skills as well to hear those very slight differences um yeah. yeah and the great thing as your vocab develops is that mm. if you get to a stage where you can understand the context of what's being said anyway or vice versa the person you're talking to understands what you're saying is <laughs> pineapple not watermelon then <laughs> you, you'll be okay yeah <laughs> Um, and I think it, it must happen 
with native speakers all the time too where you just you have to seek clarification no did you say this or did you say this Um, I mean it must happen to kids like their entire childhood just getting I mean in the same way that it does in you know in English or really in any other language where they just repeat things until they get it right Um, but you know they must be constantly making mistakes and not realizing that they've said one word and they said the other and then I guess adults correct them and tell them and then they repeat it again completely yeah right yeah. yeah, like my little two-year-old that says aminal all the time. <laughs> like, oh, sweetie, it's really cute. <laughs> it's really cute. <laughs> it's animal. What do, you, what do you think helped you the most in getting used to those those very musical differences? One thing I remember doing heaps of in Vietnam in particular mm. um, was we, the traffic back then and it still is pretty crazy and we spent a lot of time you know in a car or taxis you know getting around the city and I used to just spend all my commute time and travel time just out the window reading all the signs out aloud any sign I could see (laughs) I would just read (laughs) and I would say it over and over um you know like hong hong whatever I could see I would just would say and it used to drive my family nuts (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good way to practice though. But it helped because, you know, there weren't necessarily words that I always knew, but I could try and quickly say them. Mm. Um, and I think getting amongst native speakers as much as possible who are happy to listen to you and correct you and and being able to mimic what they're saying, I think mm. mimicry is like probably quite important in a tonal language and being and learning to do that and spending the time doing that. Mm-hmm. So for, um, for people who are looking to start learning a tonal language, would you, do you have any other tips for them? I feel like that was, that was a bit of a tip, like maybe straight away try and spend as much time as you can with native speakers or a native speaker. Um, or even non-real life ones. Yeah. Where you can, yeah, where you can mimic the sounds that you're hearing. And so, you don't have to understand them, yeah. <laughs> understand what you're saying, <laughs> just the sound. <laughs> so as in like, like lots of like listening practice and stuff as well? I think listening practice and where you potentially can also have the time to repeat what you're hearing. Sure. Um, so there are, you know, as we've talked about in the past, you know, there's some great podcasts around nowadays where you can, the podcast are designed for you to have that time to talk out aloud and I think for a tonal language that's really great mm-hmm. but also to get the feedback on what you're saying from a native person would be is that next step above really great yeah. <laughs> so you know if that's via a tutor or a friend or um, someone in real life mm-hmm. I think that's really invaluable okay do you think that um do you think that it really helped you with because you did Vietnamese first after having done Vietnamese do you think that learning or starting to learn Mandarin Chinese was easier yeah potentially yeah I I have thought about this before um and I think it could be it I potentially did find it easier maybe from a you know a psychological point of view I'm like okay you know I've done this let's give this this these tones a go oh and there's two less that's even that's a bonus (laughs) um and so the you know the the way the sounds are made are quite different but I mean in terms of the pronunciation but the 
the tones and I think that did give me a little bit of a a confidence boost Mm. I don't know if it made it you know made me a better learner or a better speaker but definitely gave me a confidence boost does that make sense yeah definitely I think it's really interesting that you said like oh it's got two less tones so like that's a bit easier which is like (laughs) the opposite because people always talk about Mandarin Chinese as being such a difficult language to learn just constantly I feel like I often hear people say oh it must be so hard it must be so hard and I'm sure I think it's very challenging um but it's so interesting that you would say like in comparison to Vietnamese afterwards you're like oh actually in some ways a little bit easier (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um you know in some ways if you think of it in comparison to Cantonese as well Ah. there's there's way less tones in Cantonese and I haven't learned Cantonese but I think (laughs) to my ear Mandarin Chinese does sound easier I'd be interested to know any Cantonese learners out there what you think but um yeah so Penny that is that's so interesting everything you've said it's completely opened my eyes to um the challenges and maybe the fun as well of tonal languages um so thank you so much for sharing all of this information with us Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Has it spurred you on? Do you think you might like to Ooh, learn a tonal I don't know. language? One day, one day. <laughs> but I love the idea, though, of like getting started. I mean, I think getting started speaking straight away is always pretty important. Um, but especially with tonal languages, like I love this idea of just kind of letting go and letting all your inhibitions go about speaking and just like trying to make the sounds. Like it's so, it feels like it's so essential that you can just like begin with that, like how do I actually make these sounds and what does that accent sound like to me when I listen to it, but also how do I produce that um, as well? Yep, for sure. That's exactly right. And then then you're on your way. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, Penny, so interesting. Um, So if you are thinking about learning a tonal language um, and if you have any thoughts on this or if you have learned a language and you have any great tips for for other people um, just like Penny, um, then we'd love to hear from you. Um, You can get in touch with us via our website. Um, But it would be great to hear some other people's views on this too. Oh, for sure. And um, don't forget, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. So if you do have any comments or or tips, pop them up there. Um, So, yes, thank you for joining us. And we will catch you at our next episode. That's it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. See you next time.